Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And what you see on your screen is the name of a game that will never come out, at least not under this name. Ubisoft announced the Gods and Monsters project a couple of years back now. But if you were following the Ubisoft Forward event last week, you saw that Gods and Monsters is now entitled Immortals Phoenix Rising, which to me looks like a name for maybe a Saturday morning cartoon show or a Toys to Life project, and I don't think is quite as evocative or poetic or as lyrical as Gods and Monsters. But a number of people came to me and said, hey, Rick, why would this change take place? And we've known about this change for some time. If we go back to a Eurogamer article that came out early June of this last year, when Stadia accidentally released a kind of demo build for a game codenamed Orpheus, which turned out to be Gods and Monsters as it was then known, the quote that was given to Eurogamer was, our vision for the game formerly known as Gods and Monsters has evolved in surprising ways, which is common when developing exciting new worlds. So as early as June of this year, the early summer, we knew that Gods and Monsters was likely not to be called Gods and Monsters, and Immortals Phoenix Rising was the name that was shown about in various places over the course of the last couple of weeks, at least, if not months. Now, a number of folks did come to me and said, hey, could this be a copyright issue? That's usually how it's brought up to me. Copyright not really coming into play here as much as trademark does. And to give a hat tip now, the folks at Tech Raptor actually flagged for me that Gods and Monsters was in a bit of a trademark fight that we could follow at the USPTO the United States Patent and Trademark Office. What you've got on your screen right now is a screenshot of a USPTO filing. We see it was filed in June, not of this year, but of last year, 2019, for the trademark of gods and monsters. We also see that the trademark has not issued because it is pending one or more oppositions that need to be determined. Now, this was, of course, filed by Ubisoft, as we would expect. It was filed in June of last year. You can see the time frame for all of this happening. And then you see that an opposition filing was made in April of this year. Now, who was that opposition filing made by? Well, it was made by the Monster Energy Company, the folks behind the Monster Energy Drinks. And apparently, as we will see in their opposition filing, a whole lot else. Apparently there are monster energy backpacks and bags and bracelets and all sorts of things. And they filed an opposition to the request for trademark registration by Ubisoft for gods and monsters based solely on the fact that monster energy exists and that they brand things and products that they sell with the monster energy logo. We can see the time frame for this all happening. We can see it happening in April, as we said, was the filed opposition. We can see Ubisoft answer in May. And then, of course, by June, Ubisoft had backed off and said, you know what? The project formerly known as Gods and Monsters will come back to you with a name which was revealed last week. Now, to fully understand exactly why this happened, who had the better part of it, what kind of fight was actually incurred, we need to know a little bit of something about trademarks. And trademarks form one of three sets of intellectual property that are the most commonly talked about that people do get confused. Trademark is a word, phrase, symbol, or design, or a combination thereof, that identifies and distinguishes the source of the goods of one party from those of others. Said another way, this is McDonald's or Nike 
or gods and monsters, or now immortals, Phoenix Rising. This is to identify a source of goods. It isn't copyright. If we see the next question here, do trademarks, copyrights, and patents protect the same things? No. Surely lawyers wouldn't just have three separate bundles of intellectual property for the sake of it. They protect different things. A trademark protects brand names and logos used on goods and services. A copyright protects an original artistic or literary work, including things like software code. A patent protects an invention. Then they give a nice example here. For example, if you invent a new kind of vacuum cleaner, you would apply for a patent to protect the invention itself. You would apply to register a trademark to protect the brand name of the vacuum cleaner that you've come up with. And then you might register for a copyright for the TV commercial or the script of that commercial that you use to market the product. Three different sets of intellectual property, but the trademark is responsible for identifying brand names and goods and services. So how can someone oppose it? When does the USPTO reject a filing for trademark? Well, the most common methodology of rejection is called confusion. As you might expect, because trademarks are designed to help someone know the source of the product that they would otherwise purchase or use, if there is confusion between marks, the USPTO is less likely to register it. As this document says, the USPTO examines every application for compliance with federal law and rules. The most common reason to refuse registration is a likelihood of confusion between the mark of the applicant and a mark already registered or in a prior filed pending application owned by another party. Now, the USPTO determines that the likelihood of confusion exists when there are two things. One, the marks are similar, as we would expect, and two, the goods and or services of the parties that they seek to have the the brand applied to are related such that consumers would mistakenly believe they come from the same source. So we have two prongs to understand when there can be this kind of likelihood of confusion in trademark land. Now, the first prong, and I apologize for the size here, but this particular document from the USPTO likes to have a doubled up page uh, demarcation. So we're going to go a little bit smaller for this. Similarity of marks, that first prong. To determine whether a likelihood of confusion exists, the marks are first examined for their similarities and differences. Note that in order to find a likelihood of confusion, the marks do not have to be identical. Very important. When marks sound alike when spoken, are visually similar, have the same meaning, even if in translation, and or the big one, create the same general commercial impression in the consuming public's mind, the marks may be considered confusingly similar. And we see here some examples. T-Marky and T-Marky, those are conflicting. T-Marky and a different kind of localized T-Marky, conflicting. Lupo and Wolf, because one is a translation for the other, conflicting. So as you can probably imagine, if you're looking at this for the first time, there is a great deal of discretion afforded to the examiner at the USPTO to determine whether or not a given mark has a general commercial impression that is the same as another registered mark in the consuming public's mind, right? And even if they find that, we have a second prong. Even if two marks are found to be confusingly similar, or more specifically, that there is a similarity of marks, a likelihood of that confusion will exist only if the goods and or services upon which or in connection with the marks are used are, in fact, related. So that's the reason why you can have similar marks on wildly different goods, right? If Monster here were being used to sell something that Monster Energy had never even thought of selling, 
you wouldn't be able to get into relatedness of goods and or services. But relatedness does not require identical goods or services. You see here that t-shirts and pants are deemed to be related to hats. Banking services are deemed to be related to mortgage lending services. T-shirts and pants are generally related to online retail store services featuring clothing. That's a little bit of a broadening of the mark. So if you get your mark and it's registered to cover things like t-shirts and pants, you might be able to block someone that is similar to your mark that is also doing online retail store services. So at the end of the day, Monster Energy comes in and says, Ubisoft, we've got some problems with your stuff. Now, the last thing I want to bring up here in this document is the notion of common law rights. We will see Monster Energy actually talk about what they have been selling in common law. So what we are seeing right now is a document that goes over registration of trademarks with the USPTO, actually going and filing a legal document to get the USPTO to acknowledge that your mark exists. But the way these laws work in the United States and and really in most jurisdictions around the globe is that when you use the mark in commerce, you get a common law trademark right in that use. Now, there can be things that override that, like a registered trademark that doesn't allow that particular use and they can come after you. But ultimately, when you use it in commerce, you get a common law trademark that maybe doesn't have the same benefits as a registered trademark, but you do have those rights. And one of the things we will see Monster Energy say is that they've been using their mark and they have all these common law protections as well as the registered protections that they have from the USPTO. So that's the background on trademarks. The basic gist is when we're talking about these things, does it identify the source of the materials properly? And if it's too close to somebody else's stuff, then there may be a problem. Let's just scroll back up here to the top. We see here the opposition that Monster filed against Ubisoft. This was filed in April of this year. It says Monster Energy Company believes that it will be damaged by the registration of U.S. trademark applications 5501, 02, 03, 05, 06, 510, and 511. There's a lot of trademarks there. We didn't go over all the applications. We will see them summarized here. And this is them saying that Ubisoft filed for this. 5501 is the one we looked at. This is the important one for the actual game. Game software and electronic game programs. So when you go and you file an application for a trademark, you have to identify the class of goods or services that you are seeking to have that mark attached to. So class nine here, game software and electronic game programs. They also thought, hey, gods and monsters might be good for clocks, jewelry, jewelry boxes, series of fiction books, all-purpose carrying bags, clothing, namely headwear, beachwear, belts, bottoms as clothing, cloaks. Anybody want a gods and monster cloak? You never know. Toys and playthings, entertainment services, namely providing information online relating to computer games and video games. This is for their website to operate and to otherwise to be able to talk about gods and monsters in that environment. They filed for all of these at the same time, and that's not unusual. You have to identify all those classes, but Monster Energy has an opposition. They say, since at least 2002, long before the filing date of the applications, Opposer, Monster Energy, has been and still is engaged in the development, licensing, marketing, and or sale of beverages, beverageware, clothing, and other goods and services under the marks Monster and Monster Energy and related marks, all containing the word Monster. Then they go and they talk about Monster. I would be willing to guess that most of you that are watching this video are familiar overall with the Monster Energy brand, which does suggest a certain amount of fame associated with that brand. You can see here that they sell Monster Energy cups, caps, shirts, uh, jerseys, uh, sweatshirts, bags, 
say there's a large demand for clothing bags and other merchandise bearing all of these marks. Opposer has and continues to widely market these marks. This is important. You have to go and tell the USPTO that these aren't things that have died. These aren't marks that don't exist anymore in the environment. Then we get to some things that are a little bit closer to home for Ubisoft. In addition, Opposer promotes the monster marks through the sponsorship of professional gamers. Opposer sponsors game teams such as Team Envious, Team Liquid, Evil Geniuses, and specific professional gamers. And they've included a, a picture of the professional gamer to show that they've got the monster energy right here on the shoulder, along with a number of other logos. And similar here on this jersey, Opposer also markets and promotes its famous monster marks on its website in associated with gaming, sponsors DreamHack, does these things that are basically in the game environment. Had a Monster Energy Supercross official video game. So they have used these marks associated with things like games. In addition to sponsoring professional athletes, teams, and sporting events since at least 2004, Opposer has maintained an amateur athlete development program under the mark Monster Army. So suffice it to say, they want to say that they are involved in games, and regardless of whether or not they are registered for all of these uses, they have these common law rights. By virtue of Opposer's continuous and substantial use, the monster marks have become famous identifiers of Opposer since long before the filing date of the applications. Opposer has built up at great expense and effort valuable goodwill in its monster marks and has developed strong common law rights in those monster marks. Opposer relies on its common law rights in its family of monster marks, which rights predate the filing date of the applications. So that's the common law section. In addition to that, Monster Energy, as you are no doubt aware, has trademark registrations all over the place. In addition to Opposer's common law rights, Opposer owns and relies on U.S. trademark registration 689 for the mark Monster Energy 4, among other things, sports helmets, video recordings featuring sports, extreme sports, and motorsports, downloadable software for mobile devices and playing games, downloadable electronic game software for use on mobile devices, downloadable game software, downloadable interactive game programs, etc., etc., etc. So they have this mark in all of these various things. It's for Monster Energy in particular. And so what they have to tell the USPTO is that under these marks, and we're going to skip a lot of pages here because they have a lot of marks and they want to oppose everything that Ubisoft is trying to do through all of these marks, that through Ubisoft's application, they will damage Monster Energy in some way. And again, remember those two prongs that we talked about at the top of this video. They have to show that Monster Energy is confusingly similar to the phrase gods and monsters and then associates with products and services that they have otherwise protected. Now, I think they do a pretty good job talking about products and services that are protected, but whether or not gods and monsters is confusingly similar to monster energy is an open question. Monster is just a word. The USPTO doesn't protect just words. And you can be protected in the word monster if you got that registration for specific goods and services, but they have a registration that relates in part to monster, also to monster energy into broader terms. And you still have to explain to the USPTO how consumers are going to get confused that gods and monsters from Ubisoft might just have some relationship to the Monster Energy brand of beverages or Supercross games. And I think that's where they have a real problem here. We get to paragraph 45. Since at least before the filing date of the applications, Opposer has continuously used and promoted the Monster Marks, including the marks listed above, in interstate commerce in connection with its goods and services, including the goods and services identified in the foregoing registrations. In addition, Opposer's Monster Marks were well-established and famous, keep that word in mind, 
long before applicant filed its applications for registration of applicants gods and monsters mark. There's going to be a fight about whether or not these marks are famous, and we will talk about that as well. Finally, they say how they're damaged. A poser will be damaged by registration of the applications in that applicant's mark so resembles a, po- so resembles a poser's monster marks, including as registered in the PTO, and in which a poser owns common law trademark rights as to be likely when used on or in connection with applicants' goods and services as to cause confusion or to cause mistake or to deceive within the meaning of the Trademark Act. That is the principal thing that they have to establish, that monster energy, their monster marks are so close to gods and monsters as to cause an issue here. Now, sitting here, and I suspect you could have your own comments to this video that you can leave, absolutely. I look at this and say, you know what? Monster Energy isn't terribly likely to win that fight at the end of the day. Gods and Monsters is pretty distinct, both in feeling and concept, from the notion of Monster Energy. But remember what we talked about as part of the USPTO. This is all in the hands of an examiner, all in the hands of potentially an appeals process and the USPTO in general. And so you wind up having to adjudicate a legal position based on the mental state and essentially psychological framework of these people that are looking at these things. And oftentimes you spend money on lawyers and don't know whether you will win or you will lose. Rick Hogue at Hogue Law can sit back and say, yeah, you know, I think that it's probably not going to cause confusion, but an examiner could disagree with that. And then you have to decide whether to appeal it, whether to put forward your marketing materials. And ultimately at the end of the day, despite the fact that Ubisoft winds up opposing basically everything here, I've pulled up their opposition document, which was filed about a month later. And you see here that they have admitted the allegations contained in paragraph one. That allegation was that Ubisoft filed for some applications. And then they deny everything else, basically saying, hey, we don't know how Monster Energy operates. Everything else is a legal conclusion. We deny, we deny, we deny, we deny, we deny. And then we get into the stuff that we highlighted in our read through of the Monster Energy file for opposition itself which is that Ubisoft denies that opposers' alleged marks are famous. Now, that's interesting, right? Monster Energy is something that I think we can all recognize. Is it famous, and why is it important? The answer to that question is that it's important to bring a claim of dilution, right? It's one thing to say that you're confusingly similar and you cause all these issues, but there is another way in which you can kind of attack this problem, and that's by saying that you have what's called a famous mark, And if you have a famous mark, something that is so associated with this particular class or quality of goods or services, then you potentially get a little bit of extra protection from the Trademark Act. I've pulled up the section here, dilution by blurring and dilution by tarnishment. And this says, subject to the principles of equity that a court or someone else has to use justice as a determination, fairness, the owner of a famous mark that is distinctive inherently or through acquired distinctiveness that can be acquired through marketing, shall be entitled to an injunction against another person who, at any time after the owner's mark has become famous, commences use of a mark or trade name in commerce that is likely to cause dilution by blurring or dilution by tarnishment of the famous mark, regardless of the presence or absence of actual or likely confusion of competition or of actual economic injury. So Monster Energy goes out there and says, hey, by the way, judge, we're famous. So we could potentially go and get an injunction against Ubisoft 
in not because anybody would actually think this is confusing, but because they're either harming us because video games are inherently bad. You're not going to win that argument or because they are blurring our mark or as blurring goes, a famous mark could be impaired by association with another similar mark or trade name that essentially you've created, you've invested in monster in some way. And the mere existence of other monsters out there impairs the distinctiveness of the brand that you have paid for, that the trademark act cares that you have invested money. We want to see people building up brands in the United States. That's how this all works together. And so even if somebody wouldn't be confused by what you have put forth, then maybe you can still get the use enjoined because your mark is famous. Famous marks are things like Nike and Google and really big things. Now, I'm not sure about Monster Energy. I think they probably are famous. But again, you've got to go into case law and you've got to go talk to examiners and really determine these things. The important thing to take away from this video is not what I think about these various issues necessarily, as much as how big the gray area is between these issues. Does Monster Energy and Gods and Monsters, are those confusingly similar? Is Monster Energy famous such that they could go seek an injunction just for the blurring of the Monster Energy marks? These are the kinds of things that you would have to, if you are Ubisoft, go and proceed against without knowing whether you will win. Now, their main denial of the allegations is one that I tend to agree with. Ubisoft denies the allegations contained in paragraph 45, that this will damage them because they are confusingly similar. There are nearly 300 live federal applications and registrations for marks with the word monster in International Class 9. Remember, International Class 9, these are the classes that we use to actually look at these various things, is the computer software itself. So Ubisoft comes out and says, hey, USPTO, judge, maybe, ultimately, look at this. We always are allowed to register something with the word monster in it. They can't claim the word monster for all use cases in the world of computer software. You've got 300 that are live right now. You've got 25 in class 14, 141 in class 16, 30, 175, 250, 300. Judge, USPTO, whoever we're talking to at this point in time, they can't just block the use of the word monster. There is nothing in gods and monsters that suggests monster energy drink at all. This video that this guy at Hoglaw has just put up might be the first time that anybody has put a picture of our game with a picture of a can of monster energy, and we can't be blocked from using this name. So this is what you would expect from a denial. This is exactly what you would expect. Ubisoft says, no, none of this is right. You can't block all of Monster Energy. Your stuff isn't famous for purposes of getting this special protection under the Trademark Act. And yet, with all of that filed in May, still in June of 2020, we're saying, you know what? It's not called Gods and Monsters anymore. We like that name. We had a little logo for it. Look, it's got a lightning bolt in the O and everything. Hogue liked it. He thought it was poetic. It had a nice kind of sense of epic poem to it. And instead, we're going to sell you a Saturday morning cartoon show. Now, in fairness, looking at this from a kind of intellectual property standpoint, this is eminently more protectable. You've got a misspelled phoenix. You've got three words that don't usually go together. You can protect this a lot easier than you can just protect the kind of phrase gods and monsters. So maybe lawyers on the Ubisoft side said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just change the name. Let's just go with Immortals Phoenix Rising. And at the end of the day, I can't really blame them. 
But like so many times, so many things we've talked about in this space where we talk about that chip stack, the resources at the table, where a big, expensive law firm litigation opposition to a USPTO filing can essentially win the day because it's too expensive to fight. The fact that Ubisoft has a lot of money as a publicly traded company doesn't change the fact that they don't want to fight expensive fights, especially when there isn't a real certainty of winning. Yes, I think they would ultimately have defeated Monster Energy's push for opposition, but at what cost and at what time and what level of marketing would be affected? So when you get to the end of the day, Gods and Monsters doesn't exist because Monster Energy said that that looked a little bit too much like an energy drink or a professional gaming team that they sponsor or a Supercross game that they once made and asked the USPTO to make sure that Ubisoft have to change the name. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are talking about the business and law of pop culture, particularly video games and movies, although we also do cover television and music from time to time, and that we do it often. We just talked about the fact that 505 Games is busy trying to walk back or walk around various things it's doing with the control upgrade policy, or how the Dr. Disrespect saga and his interactions with Twitch have led to what we are now seeing with Shroud and Ninja re-signing with Twitch and fun topics like that. So please do share us around. We love to have these conversations with new folks. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.